0: Good evening and welcome once again to our evening service. It's good to be in God's house this evening as it were to bookend our day worshiping God together. Our call to worship this evening comes from the book of Malachi. In Malachi chapter 1 where it says this, From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name. And a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Indeed, God's name is magnified and glorified even here this evening with us. And with those words fresh in our minds, let's take our hymn books and let's sing our first hymn this evening. Hymn 27, that well known hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. O oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thy changes not, thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Let us stand and sing together hymn number 27 to the praise of God. Please remain standing and turn to hymn number 99, hymn number 99, a debtor to mercy alone of covenant mercy I sing, nor fear with thy righteousness on my person an offering to bring. Let us stand and sing to God's praise, hymn number 99. be seated. And now let us come to our great God in prayer. Let us pray. Our loving, eternal, heavenly Father, we commend into your presence this evening our Even with those words that we've sung ringing in our ears. That indeed you are a God who is faithful. A God whose mercies are new each and every day. A God who is the one who does not move or shake or change like we do. A God whose promises indeed are sure. Then it's to you this evening that we come to worship and to praise. Lord, we thank you even for this evening hour of worship that we can come as a body to unite together, to sing and to read and to have your word expounded. Lord, we pray in these days that we would reap the benefits of this your day. That we would see the need of joining together and, O oh Lord, as we do so, that we would come with, indeed, hearts that are prepared to do what your word commands us. O oh, Lord, we thank you that you're a God, indeed, who is merciful, a God who is just, and a God, indeed, whose love never changes. And in that, this evening, we can come with confidence as we cry unto you. And we do so knowing how depraved and even sinful and wicked at times we are. Even when we thought this morning of your moral law and where it is contained, O Lord, how many times have we not put things before you? Even this, your day, we have put things before gathering with your people. Even in our lives, we have placed idols before you. Lord, we ask this evening that you would forgive us for these things. Cause us in these days to see that indeed you are the only one who is worthy of worship. You indeed are the one true and living God and the one who commands us to have no other gods before you. Lord, in a day when men clamor for voice, in a day when people are Fighting, as it were, over the top of one another for popularity, for success. Lord, may it be said of us that the only popularity we want to see is that of your name, as we've read in Malachi, spread throughout all of the world. Lord, forgive us at times when we are guilty of these things ourselves, when the love of money and the unwillingness to give up our time, or efforts for your kingdom comes before us. Lord, we pray in these days that we would give up all that we have for your kingdom. Lord, may it be that we would be good stewards of the many things you've given us. Lord, we pray that you would indeed humble us and help us in these days to see that without you, indeed, we are nothing. And, O Lord, remind us in these days of what is to come. And that is heaven and home, that eternal rest. Lord, this world is not our home. But while we are here, we are called to be about your work. And so, O Lord, we ask you would forgive us for times when we have been eager to do our own thing and not yours. Lord, you know us, you know our hearts, you know where we stand before you. We ask this evening that indeed you would forgive us for these things. Oh Lord, we tonight we give you thanks for so many things that you bless us with. We thank you, O oh Lord, for our marriages. We thank you for those spouses that you have brought along our paths and that you, we have joined in holy matrimony together in a day when the devil is running rampant, in a day when marriages are being torn apart, we ask, O Lord, that you would help us as men and as women to be faithful to one another. Lord, as men, we pray in these days you would help our eyes and our ears. Lord, help us even in those times of temptation to turn aside and to remember the truths from your word, even that we have sought, even in Psalm 119 our wives, O oh Lord, we ask that you would enable and help them in these days. And in a day when the home, the church, family life, marriages are being attacked by the devil, we pray that even us as a band of believers here would stand firm for the things that are true. Tonight, we're even reminded of the many abortions that take place, the murder that takes place in this land each and every day. Lord, forgive us. We ask that men and women would see life as what it truly is. Lord, we pray even for those who do these heinous acts, O Lord even wherever they may be tonight, that you would stop them in their tracks. Lord, we do even pray for our children that are here. Lord, we thank you for them. Indeed, they are that delight to us. But Yet, oh Lord, what a responsibility as parents we have to nurture and to train them. We ask that you would help us and equip us even even seasoned saints who have gone through these ways, may it be that they would help and encourage those of us who have different stages of life with our children. Oh Lord, we do pray for each and every one of them. We thank you even for them being here tonight and for the encouragement they are to so many and even the life and vitality we have in our church. But oh Lord, we pray for their souls this evening. We ask that early in life, that they would come to a saving faith in you. Before the cisterns of this broken world would come upon them, O Lord, we ask that you would draw them onto yourself. We thank you for our teenagers and our young adults who are going through hard and difficult days with their schooling, going through hard and difficult days with emotional and physical change in their bodies. We ask, O Lord, that you would enable and help them. We even pray for those in our congregation who are single this evening. Those who would long to be married. We pray that you would meet them at the point of their need. That you would encourage their hearts. And may it be, O Lord, that you would have that suitor, that person to come along soon. And if not, O Lord, we ask that you would give them patience in these days. Lord, this evening we're thankful for your word. That which we can pick up in a moment and open and read. And yet even this past week, we were reminded of that anniversary of William Tyndale being tied to that stake and burnt for this very thing. Lord, that book that we have in our hands, indeed, there is blood upon it. Blood of men who have sacrificed their lives that we can have it here this evening. Lord, we thank you for your providence and your kindness even shown. To men and days gone by and for all the different scenarios and circumstances that were gone through that enabled them to get to the printing press to print it and your word to be sent across this world. Lord, may we never forget those who have given up lives that we can even sit here this evening and read it in our own tongue. Lord, this evening we do come and we pray for our world when we flick on our news or we read our news reports, surely all we hear is wars and rumors of wars. Lord, we do not know what is happening, but you do. You know what is going on in Israel this evening. You know what is going on in the Ukraine. You know what is going on in some of those far eastern countries where men and women are being slaughtered for many different reasons. Lord, we do not know Yet this evening we have confidence knowing that you're a God, indeed, who is in control of all things. Lord, we do pray for that land of Israel, even the reports that have come out today from our brother Baruch Mayots and other men of churches who are, their buildings are no longer there, for congregations who were unable to meet today because of the violence in that land. Lord, we ask for mercy in these days. May it be those who do these wicked and evil acts would be stopped. And, O Lord, we even pray for those who have lost loved ones, those who tonight are bereaved. We pray that your hand would be upon them, and that even through this sadness, O Lord, and this devastation, that people would come to saving faith realizing that without Christ indeed is no hope. Lord, this evening we pray for your word that will come forth in a few moments. We thank you for this wonderful chapter in the middle of Psalms that we can read and have expounded. Lord, we pray that we would be like the psalmist in these days, that we would love your law, that we would love your statutes, that we would meditate upon these things. And Lord, that we would even weep over the sins that we commit. Lord, we ask that you would meet with us now. You know how we all are tired after a long and busy day. We pray that our minds would be sharpened, that we, O Lord, would have that stamina to listen to your word and to uh, listen to it attentively, but not only hear it, but to do something with it. Lord, we ask that you would draw near to us now, for we ask all these things in and through Christ's precious name. Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to our consecutive reading this evening from Psalm 75.
1: Psalm
0: 75 to the choirmaster, According to Do Not Destroy, a psalm of Asaph, a song. Let us stand and let us read God's word together. Psalm 75. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. At the set time that I appoint, I will judge with equity. When the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I who keep steady its pillars. I say to the boastful, do not boast. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn on high or speak with with haughty neck. For not from the east or from the west and not from the wilderness comes lifting up. But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. For in the hand of the Lord, there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall shall drain, it, shall drain it down to the dregs. But I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be lifted up. Amen. This is God's holy word. Please be seated. And as you do so, please turn in your Bibles across to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and we're going to begin by reading at verse 129. Psalm 119, beginning at verse 129. This is the Word of God. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression, that I may keep your precepts, make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears, because people do not keep your law. Amen. There are many things in our broken world that can bring us to tears. Serious issues like divorce, miscarriage, wayward children, and death itself can make us weep. Even less serious events like romantic breakups, songs, and even movies can grip our hearts and cause us to tear up. You may be sitting there thinking right now of something or someone who brought you to tears. But have you ever asked yourself this question? When was the last time I wept over sin? When was the last time tears streamed down my face because my God was being dishonored and disrespected? Our answers to these questions are vitally important. Because in it, they reveal our true passions. What we value and what we love. You see, many things in this world vie for our love. But the 17th stanza of Psalm 119 shows us what God says Christians should be most passionate about. You see, in this section the psalmist again continues to fight against the power of evil. That power which tries to subvert him from the living God. It's God's word which delivers him from evil and establishes him right. Thus he declares his delight for God's wondrous working word which gives life and light He prays that the Lord would turn to him and establish him by directing, redeeming, blessing, and teaching him from his word. And knowing what God's word has done for him personally, he concludes this stanza by weeping. By weeping over those who are in complete rebellion against God and his word. In the midst of the rebellion of this world, there is God's divine revelation. That which you have on your lap right now. That which men in years gone past have died for. Which, if we read it and meditate upon it, works wonders for those who are Christ's. And so this evening, I want to open up this passage under these three headings. God's word causes spiritual life. God's word causes supplications. And finally, God's word causes compassion for the lost. Spiritual life, supplications, and compassion for the lost. The verses in this stanza seem to cause, as it were, a chain reaction. Children, you've all played dominoes. You've all laid them up in your bedroom, and how fun it is to knock over the first one and see many of them fall. It's the same here. Acting on a verse's content leads one to added realization, and then acting on the next verse, it builds and it builds and it builds. The psalmist opens this section there in 129 where he says, Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. God's words are wonderful. It's plural in the Hebrew. It's not one word. It's many words. And it's in those that invoke a sense of awe and a sense of wonder because of the God who acts through his own precious word. That word, wonderful, means full of astonishing revelations, commands, and promises. Their wonder is seen in that they are free from all error. And in their overwhelming demonstration of their truthfulness, God's word, as it instructs, elevates, strengthens, and comforts the soul to those who know them best, to those who wander through these paths daily. Do you remark this evening of how good a God we've come to worship? It's wonderful that God should bear testimony to sinful men. And it's an even greater wonder that his testimony should be so clear, so full, so gracious, so mighty to save. Do you think upon God's word like that? That it's clear and full and gracious and it's mighty to save. With the sense of God's wonder working power before him. He confesses that this is the reason he keeps or he observes them. Their wonder-working power so impresses itself upon his mind that he keeps them in his memory. How is your memorization? Those who know me will know I struggle even to remember your name. But memorization is such an important thing. Remember we said about meditation, that muttering, that continual muttering upon the word of God. So is memorization, the two go hand in hand. It's so important as believers in these days that we see the need to put these things within us. You see, their life-giving excellence is so captivated, his heart, that he observes them, or he lives them out. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. Some men wonder at the words of God and use them for various speculation, but not so, David. The more he wondered about the word, the more the word, its work wonders in him. The more he read, the more he became full, the more his soul kept them. Spurgeon said this, his devotion was soul work. He didn't simply keep the testimonies in his head, but in his soul, in his eternal being, and he held fast to them. It was as if he was clinging to the word of God for dear, dear life. Brothers and sisters, this evening, we live in a world fraught with dangers. But think upon this. Think upon when you go to the beach and you're having fun there. and Suddenly someone gets into trouble. Normally on the beaches, I hope they are here in America... But where I'm from, they have a little pole right in the middle of the sand. And there's this lovely plastic ring. And attached to that ring is a rope. And when someone is in danger, they would throw that ring towards that person and they would hold fast to it. And that is what the word of God is to us. When we are struggling in the the trials and tribulations of this world, we have those things given to us. We can read of them. You can have them spoken to you through your very ears. You come here on a Sunday and you have your soul filled again. That is what the word of God is to us. It's something in these days, brothers and sisters, that we need to hold fast to. Why? Because it's been trampled underfoot. We're to hold fast onto these things, not Fox News or Apple News or Facebook or TikTok. No, the Word of God. When you're facing pressure and stress, what should you do? Isaiah 33 verse 6 says this, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Stability in these days. Isaiah again, 26 verse 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Where this evening is your Trust. That verse that we all know so well from Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not on thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And what? He shall direct thy paths. When perhaps you go to the cupboard. And perhaps there's not as much in there as you thought. And you begin to worry. We even thought about it this morning. But a verse that keeps coming to me. And a verse that keeps being told to me is this: Psalm thirty-seven, twenty-five. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread? When we're feeling powerless, Psalm forty-six, verse one: God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Do you see what I'm getting at? Perhaps we're feeling inadequate. Perhaps tonight we're thinking, God, why why am I even yours? Remember this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Colossians 1.27 To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory. These are words from God's book. These are not my words. These are not words from anyone else. These are words from God. You see, the general wonder working of God's word becomes very very specific in verse 130. The unfolding of your words gives light, it imparts understanding to the simple. The entrance of your words give light The unfolding or the opening of God's Word indicates its revelation, its exposition, its entrance into the heart. But ask me, answer me this this evening do you ever unfold your Bible? The exposition of light in our minds because of the revelation of God is an awesome reality. When men stand up to preach and open up the word, that light is shone forth. But is that the only time? Tomorrow morning when you wake up and you face another working week, what will you do? Will anxiousness set in? Will fear set in? Then I urge you, reach for the book. Reach for the word of God. God. There is power here beyond our natural reasoning. The simple are not dumb. When it says here, it imparts understanding to the simple. Please don't lynch me. But you are simple, and so am I. But you see, the simple are not dumb. Why do I say that? The symbol have reached that end of themselves and they recognize that in order to know God, God must speak to them and make himself known. Where? In his word. There are the smartest men in all of the world who are the most stupidest men in all of the world. Why? Because they don't know God. The word wasn't written to make us intellectual giants or these mystical gurus, but it was to make us wise, to give us understanding about what? How we should live our lives. God has called us out of darkness to do what? To live in his light. And that light is his word to live in his marvelous light. That word must teach us. But I ask you this evening, how are you doing? I know I ask this every sermon. But I have to ask you it. On the final day, Jeff and I will give an account of each time we stood up here and we spoke to you either from here or in private. And it should be our aim as shepherds to care and to guide and to worry enough about your soul to ask you this question. How are you doing? How is your spiritual walk before a holy God? What are you reading? How is your prayer life? Is there things that we can be praying for you about? I ask you this evening with love and care in my heart, how are you doing in your walk with God? I could care less about your careers. I do care, but I could care less about how your bank account's doing, about what new car you may be able to get, or what home you may be wanting to buy. No, my aim this evening is to ask you, how do you stand before God as a believer? You see, our Lord Jesus Christ healed many of physical blindness during his time on earth, but his greater concern was not their physical, but their spiritual. Many of those religious authorities that we read of in John 9, who investigated the healing of that blind man, refused to believe that Jesus was not a sinner. And Jesus, in verse 39, says this, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who may see may be made blind. The Apostle Paul wrote of this spiritual blindness as well, when he said, If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. A world in darkness needs the light of Christ. The psalmist tells us that the entrance of your words gives light. God's word is what opens our eyes and cures our spiritual blindness. And that next domino falls whenever he thinks of that light. And look at verse 131. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Here he portrays himself as that thirsty animal, dying for water, as it were, in the desert. When you read that, surely your mind goes to Psalm 42, where it says, As the deer pants for flowing stream, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When did we last pant for the word of God? God. When did I, last pant, yearning and desiring his words so much that I felt like that animal who hadn't drunk in days. Brothers and sisters, we should thirst after him. We should thirst for him. He both fills our hunger and he leaves us thirsting for more of him at the very same time. The more we read of him, the more we want to read of him. The more we know of him, the more we want to know more. Are you panting for God this evening? I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Secondly, God's word causes supplications. With this panting and this yearning for God's word to be unfolded and this light to be shone upon him, the psalmist then turns around in verse 132 and says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is in your way with those who love your name. God's presence turned towards him as a sign of his divine favor. His prayer is, Turn around towards me, from whom you have diverted your gaze. His plea is for grace, divine grace and mercy. Because it's only these things that will satisfy his soul. He reminds God here, turn to me and grace me, as is your way with those who love your name. To love God's name is to love him. It's that person and, and you enter into that relationship with him. And that relationship is sustained and strengthened by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And here he is asking for God's attention. He's asking for the grace of God. Spurgeon says this, If God looks and sees us panting for him, he will not fail to be merciful to us. I pant for you, God. Show your face to me in these days. Show me your mercy, show me your grace. Because then he goes on in one hundred and thirty-three, and he says, "Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me." Grace received leads to obedience. And so the psalmist here prays direct and order. Establish my steps in your word. Establish is that to make firm, to, to walk safely. He wants his steps to be guided by God. Those of you who go mountain climbing. Wouldn't it be a lot easier if there were steps along the way? Some of those mountains that you've climbed over the summer. How nice it would have been if there were these nice paved steps. To get you to the top. And yet there's not. There's just craggy old rocks that you stammer and get up with. But here the psalmist is asking God. Guide me. Guide and direct me by your word. And as he does so, he asks that no iniquity and no dominion would have anything over him. He will be controlled by God rather than by sin or the devil if God would establish his word in him. You can't do these things yourselves. Here the psalmist plainly lays out the desire to God. Direct me. Keep me. Steady me. Why? Because the psalmist knows that if he's left to himself, he will go every which way but the narrow way leading to life. How are you doing with that this evening? This morning we prayed for the sin of pride and arrogance. In our sermon we saw that man humbly come. It's the pride person who doesn't take counsel from anyone. And yet here the psalmist is asking, direct me, keep me, make your way known to me during that great era of sea exploration in the 15th and 16th centuries sailing ships did not have sat-nav they couldn't whip out their phones and plug in their destination and it would just say turn left, turn right, no captains used various navigation techniques including a book a book that was so precious to them and that book was called a rudder Not a rudder, that's the thing that steers the boat, but a rudder, R-U-T-T-E-R. What is this book? Well, for the captains, it was a log of events that were given by men years previously upon all the voyages. And they they put into account all the unknown and difficult waters that were out there. And these men, these sailor men, could look upon this book as they come into a certain part of the ocean. And they could read its contents and they could navigate and avoid hazards and make it through difficult waters. Brothers and sisters, on your lap you have a rudder, a spiritual rudder, one that aids and navigates and helps you through the trials of this life. When you come into difficult waters... And it seems like your ship is about to be broken apart. Get in the word. Mine out those truths from God's word. Think upon those times when we have been through trials and tribulations. And we open up God's word. Or perhaps a brother or sister will text us a, a passage that speaks so powerfully to us. And it reminds us. It reminds us of the faithfulness of God through trying circumstances. That's why tonight we sung great is thy faithfulness. Because even in that song and that hymn it reminds us of the very goodness of God. And as the psalmist indicates perils that are found not only in life situations but in us and in sin. He prayed let no iniquity get dominion over me. as you reflect on the teachings of God's word, you will be reminded of God's care for you. God's guidance for you in trying circumstances. That is why having a spiritual rudder is of so much importance. Only with God's word as your map and his spirit as your compass will you stay the course for heaven. But are we using it? Are we reading God's word as we should? I was able to go back home for a few weeks and I had the opportunity to walk into a bookstore called Waterstones. Waterstones a huge bookstore. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go to the religious section and see what there is. Not one book would I have bought from that shelf. And it was one tiny shelf. The rest of it was full of garbage. Are you reading the word of God? Psalm 119 has been a wake-up call for me. We preach and we teach through these. Sermon number 17. Have we changed? Is our love for God's word any deeper than it was before? Before? We need to be men and woman of God's word in these days. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Why? Let no inequity get dominion over me. How subtle the devil can move. How his whispering upon us can be like Pilgrim. And I use Pilgrim's Progress a lot. It's a book if you've never read it. Read it, read it to your kids. The way was difficult. The way was hard, and he looked across and he saw something that looked looked easier, but it wasn't. And sadly, he threw his leg over that sty and went on his way. I urge you this evening: be aware. Be aware. Let no iniquity get dominion over you. The devil is walking around in these days, devouring everything. Men, protect your wives, love them, care for them. Fathers, look after your children, raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, catechize them, read the word, Be at church, be at prayer meeting, be at the places of God as much as you can. Be in his word daily. Pray unto him. Why? Because the days that we live in are evil and wicked. May it not be said of any of us this evening that iniquity got dominion over us. I urge you this evening, be aware. Why? Because look at verse 134. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Time and time again in this psalm, we've heard this. Like Israel and Egypt, he prays to be brought out of man's bondage by God's outstretched arm of power. He's asking here to be delivered. To oppress is that to to lay low. He wants to be unrestrained in his service to God. Thus, the result of his deliverance will be obedience. He will keep God's precepts. Redeem me from man's oppression. Turn on your news, It'd be nothing but carnage and disaster. The things that they're teaching children these days, the things that even churches are letting happening. We need to waken up. We need to waken up as God's people. And we need to see the oppression that is coming across our way. And we need to cry on to God to redeem us from these things. Not to give a single inch for anything that goes against the Word of God. When they tell us that women can be pastors, when they tell us that same sex marriage is fine. When they tell us that you can be whatever you want to be, that is lies and heresy against the word of Almighty God. Stand firm. Cry on to God like the psalmist did here Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts, that I may keep the law of God, that I may know what is right and what is wrong. Be wary, people. Be wary because 135, when he does this, when he asks God to redeem him, look what he says Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Does it give you any thoughts of what we would say at the end of a service? We have a benediction. In many times we will use that which was given to Aaron and his sons where it says in Numbers 25, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. As God reveals his face to the psalmist. So he instructs him in his moral statutes. The Lord is our master. Not this world, not the people of this world. The Lord is. And he's our teacher. It's God who is that master and it's God who teaches and instructs us concerning his decrees and his words, his commandments, his promises, his precepts, his statutes, his judgments and his instructions. commentator says, tying these two truths together, the shining face is the teaching of truth. Yahweh's face shines with delight and favor as he teaches his truth. Are you willing to learn? The Lord has given us his word to direct us in many things. Open his word and read it. Thirdly, and very briefly, God's word causes compassion for the lost. The writer's longing reminds him of those who have rejected God's word. Thus he concludes this stanza with with tears, as it were, streaming from his face when he says, My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Their spiritual blindness and their rebellion caused him to weep. 2 Timothy 3 speaks of those who have ignored the commandments of God and in so doing have opposed themselves. Just like Jesus looked over Jerusalem and wept, just like the psalmist here, when he thinks upon those who do not keep the commands, wept. I ask you this evening, when was the last time any of us ever shed tears because of the lost? Brothers and sisters, when was the last time we wept over our own sins against a holy God? The psalmist knows the world that he lives in oh so well. It's broken, it's pain, it's sorrow, it's sin. You would have been blind not to see it and it, and it breaks his heart. This final verse of this stanza, it shows us the very heart of the man who wrote it. He looks upon the world and a world that is beaten down and battered. And it also reveals why our world groans and hurts so much. Sin. The psalmist here uses that that beautiful word picture to describe his grief, where he says, My eyes pour out streams of tears, he's weeping. This is not merely just a little filling of his eye with water. No, this is streams of rivers running down from his eyes when he sees the disregard of people have for the word of God and they pay God no time at all. The teachings of our Lord that are found in his word that's written here are disobeyed and rejected. The world, even the world that we live in, go knock on someone's door and say, I'd like to speak to you for a few moments of Christ and what will happen. If you even get the door opened, it will be shut very, very quickly in your face. People couldn't care less. But that's not how those who love God respond. As Spurgeon, as Spurgeon says, spiritual men feel a holy fear of the Lord Himself, and most of all lament when they see dishonor cast upon His holy name, or in fact do it themselves. Do we fear God? Do we fear God the way he should be feared? In closing, a young boy noticed a large dust-covered book on a high shelf. And his curiosity was aroused, so he asked his mother about it. And embarrassed, his mother hastily explained, Oh, that's God's book. And the young lad thought for a moment, and he said, Well... If that's God's book, why don't we give it back to him? Nobody ever uses it around here. Can that be said of your home this evening? Can that be said of you? In many homes, the Bible is seldomly opened. In fact, it's hardly ever noticed or ever thought about. How long since you picked up your Bible, not on this day? Because you can come out all prim and proper with your Bible under your arm. But how often do you read it during the week in your own private times? How often have you studied it? Yes, it is the book of God, but God does not want it back. He wants you to read it, to meditate upon it, to ponder it, and to put it within your heart. To obey its message. Do not let the Bible become some forgotten book in your home. Spurgeon said, if your Bible is in good shape, your soul probably isn't. It should be the most used thing in your home. It should be your most prized possession. If there was a fire in your home this evening, what would you grab first? God's word works wonders. It gives light. It dispels darkness. And it comes from the God who makes his face shine upon us. Its light is from the very countenance of God himself shining upon those who seek the wonders of his word. We've been given the light. But what will we do with it? Will we hide it under a bushel? Will we keep it to ourselves? No. We need to give it all away. The third verse of our closing hymn reads like this. I love thee in life. I will love thee in death and praise thee as long as thou lendest me breath and say when the death dew lies cold on my brow, if ever I love thee, my Jesus tis now. The very breath that we're given is given to us by our God. Are we praising God as long as he gives us that breath within our bodies? Are we using his word to help and navigate through life's difficult ways? Are we able to say when that death dew lies cold on our eyebrow, if ever I love thee, my Jesus tis now. Unsaved person this evening, when you lie there in that death due as the hymn writer says lies upon your brow where will you be tonight the breath you enjoy and no doubt it's lent to you it's not ours God in his mercy and in his kindness has spared you yet another week what will you do with his word tonight The word tells us that there is only two places after death. Heaven and hell. What will you choose? Tonight I urge you to repent. To turn to the the one who is that great light. The one who many of us here have run and cling to yes, with all our faults and our failings, but the one who is ever present with us, the one who we can sing, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now, I urge you this evening, run to him, cry unto him, and ask him to save you. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Amen. Let's pray. Our loving, eternal, heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that even we can have it in our own language this evening to read and to expound upon. Lord, we ask that you would give us that desire, just like the psalmist had when he looked out and he saw those who were transgressing your word and your law, that he he wept over them. Lord, we pray that we would do that for lost sinners in our day that we would see the necessity, that we would see the need to share Christ to those who know you not. Lord, even this evening, some may be in here who have no time for you or your word. We ask, O Lord, that you would open their eyes and ears, save unto yourself, and receive all the glory. Lord, we ask all these things in and through your Son's precious name. Amen. As we close our service this evening, let us stand and sing together hymn 547, hymn 547. My Jesus, I love thee, I know thy art mine. For thee, all the follows of sin, I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior, art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Let us stand and sing to God's praise, hymn number 547. people of God receive the Lord's blessing from his holy word. Now may the God of peace who brought you again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.